Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, January the 22nd. Like we like to do on Mondays, we're going to be chatting with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. Bill, welcome. Uh, it's always great to, ha- great to have you. Thank you, Silvio. Glad to be here. Well, Bill, I'm crying because uh, Sports Illustrated is no more. They, I guess they're going out of business or something like that happened. And uh, I'm going to miss all those great pictures, uh, Bill. Well, I, uh, I I had some difficulty understanding exactly what their status is. Apparently, they have lost their license. Now, I don't know what that means because you don't need a license to publish a magazine. I think it means that the, the company that owns them uh, has withdrawn its approval for further publication. They're going to lose a lot of their staff members. Yes, I'm not a big sports fan, actually, but uh, they... Uh, did put uh, uh, sports photography on the map. They made right. it into a true journalistic form. Uh, the writing was good. It was always considered a, uh, you know, a, a well-done magazine. But for whatever reason, I, I, I am assuming that the reason is that the growth of uh, of television and the fact that you can see the event on television at no charge usually uh, has probably hurt them as it hurt, has hurt other magazines in other areas. Well, I think every high school kid in the world is going to miss Sports Illustrated. Yes. Because of the swimsuit edition. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, which, sure. Which was a, a huge bestseller. I was kind of surprised. You know, I was a little confused, too, when I read the article, or at least uh, the reasons that they're not going to publish anymore. Because a lot of these, uh, a lot of these media organizations are going online now. So maybe they can still run the pictures and put them online, yes. which is where a lot of people see them anyway these days. But I'm just going to miss the idea that, uh, you know, you would get this magazine at home. And they have been, over the last couple of days, they have been sort of reposting on the Internet a lot of their of their cover pages. And, you know, so many bring back so many memories because you sure. remember them. You remember uh, these, I think it was once a month or once a week. I don't remember how they published. Was it once a month? I don't. I don't remember myself. Yeah, I, think I was that's... not. I was not actually a subscriber, but yeah. I always admired the photography um, because once we lost Life Magazine, yes. we assumed that we had uh, lost uh, the, uh, print print photography. They they were the leaders in right. uh, in print photography, and the, and and deservedly so. Uh, and I still miss those magazines where you can just pick up the magazine and look at the picture. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was always told to me in journalism to always make sure you say to somebody from Life magazine that it is the uh, the the uh, words that supplemented the picture, not the other way around. <laughs> in most magazines, it was the picture that was a supplement to the words. But in, uh, in Life, it, the, the, it was the picture that came first. Yes, I, I loved uh, Life Magazine too. I think uh, one, of course, every I, I don't know if this everybody's favorite picture, but it's my favorite Life Magazine cover. It's the one about the moon, you know, from Apollo Eight. Yes, when they took that shot from the moon of the planet Earth, uh, I that to me was one of the greatest. Uh, and an earlier generation, you had the the Marine kissing the nurse. Yes, that apparently was very big too, and you know, lots of others. I remember one. Um, that that you had this picture of the first family, Kennedy and Mrs. Kennedy, President Kennedy and Mrs. Kennedy in the White House. So it seemed like a lot of people that I knew, Bill, a lot of my friends and 
my parents included, would have Life magazine on their living room table. Yes. Well, it was, I, a, fa it was a family magazine. You didn't have to hide it. Yes. But I, it just seemed like many, many times you go to the dentist, you go to the doctor, or you go to a friend's house, and there was a, a Life magazine there that you could pick up and look at the picture. So I, it's those things you grow up with, you take them for granted, and then when they disappear, you go, gee, I missed that. Same with Sports Illustrated. I'm going to miss it a lot because yes. they had some great pictures. Well, uh, you know the I guess the era of the of the uh, still photog uh, still photograph uh, has, is kind of behind us. Uh, although I love still photographs, uh, of course nowadays it is so easy to take a still photograph and to print it as a color print. I mean, I I, I was very much interested in photography when I was much younger. And I had some very fine equipment in the film era. Uh, you, 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 you took the picture. I always took slides. And to have it made into a color print was a production. And if you wanted to do it in a home darkroom, it was really a production. Now you just take the picture on your telephone and you press a button, on, connect it to a printer, and you have a beautiful 8x10 photograph. And, and really clear and, and oh, absolutely yes. beautiful. That this is one of the jokes that I have with my uh, with my sons because you know my family when we were kids we have a limited number of pictures. Yes. You know, I maybe I don't know I don't know I can't think of a number, but there aren't that many compared. I mean, I think I have more photos of my latest grandson than I have of me as a kid. Oh sure, oh absolutely. <laughs> well, for one reason is economic. Right. You take a still picture today; it's free. Because there's no film involved. I mean, if you if you go on a trip, uh, for example, go on a vacation and take 500 pictures, you don't spend a dime. It's all on that electronic uh, receiver or whatever they call it uh, in the camera. Whereas uh, if you if you take uh, that that number of pictures uh, on slide film, it's enormous, hundreds of dollars. And so economically, the era of film is over. There is still a niche for it. For, for certain purposes, and I, I know they use it in uh, in photography schools, but you can't beat the price. No, you really can't. Well, and and also, you you see the picture immediately. Well, that that's what I was going to say. I mean, I can remember, uh, well, with with our latest grandson. I mean, you just like you know, <laughs> like you get a picture in two minutes. That's so, right. Like we see, we, we we literally see a picture of him, like every day. Yes. I mean, every morning, you know, or every evening, I, I, a new picture comes in. And it, it's it's something that, again, when I was a little boy, in fact, there's a joke that I have with my Cuban friends of my generation, because it seemed like every Cuban baby uh, had the same picture in the same place. Yes. It was you're sitting down in this like little sofa and... You know, I look at my picture and I look at a friend's picture and it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if the same photographer in the same studio took it. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I assume that's the way it was up here, too. And all well, of a, all of a sudden, you know, with Moses. Yeah. But now with uh, <laughs> now with, you know, my grandchildren, I see po I see pictures of them playing outside, eating, sleeping. I mean, it's it's a variety of poses, like you say, that just makes it interesting but i i'm gonna miss sports illustrated i mean oh, it was yes. worth 
it was worth going to the store and you know when they had these racks of magazines that's the one that i always uh, looked for uh, bill well absolutely look i, I you know and the news magazines like Newsweek and Time were very important in an earlier generation. Uh, we, we held national conversations through news magazines. The purpose of the news magazine was to give a longer perspective to the news than the daily paper could do. Uh, articles were longer. Uh, they were well-researched. Uh, and I... I, I enjoyed them. I didn't always agree with them, but I enjoyed them. I think it's a loss to us. But today we have so many different outlets for that type of material that it is just economically impossible to run those magazines right. the way they used to be run. Exactly. And get all the advertising and everything else that goes with it. So I guess rest in peace, uh, Sports Illustrated. That's all yeah. we can say. Uh, it was fun while it uh, lasted. Now, you were mentioning to me uh, right before we went on the air that that New York City crime rates were came out, and it was a good news. So to fill us in. Well, I was very surprised. I picked up the paper this morning to find that crime in the, in the last year has gone down dramatically. I'm talking about violent crime. Uh, and uh, the article pointed out that Mayor Adams, who gets a lot of grief and a lot of criticism, was probably the one responsible for it because he would not defund the police. Uh, he would not break up effective units to satisfy political groups. Uh, he he put the cops where they were needed. And as an African-American, no one could accuse him of racism. Uh, and isn't it interesting? Crime went down. Right. Now, this, this completely destroys the argument of the uh, defund the police crowd. However, there is a, a very dark side to this story, and that is that the city council, which is to the left of Joe Stalin, I mean, this is we have a very, very left-wing city council, has just passed a, a, a bill which we hope it, it will, will not go through its final passage, which would hamstring the police. It would require detailed reports, written reports on every contact the police have with every citizen. It would make it virtually impossible for them to do their jobs. Right. Now, the vote in the council is very close. Uh, the mayor is trying to convince enough people to vote against it so this will not become law. Because if it becomes law, it will paralyze the police, which is exactly what these people want to do. Well, they the are, police want in, they won't do their jobs. They'll they just, won't, of course, they won't be able to do their yeah, jobs. That's right. So they'll, a lot of crime will happen, and the police will sit there and say, well, I didn't have time to write the report, so go ahead and steal that because yes. I'm not going to have time to write it. But, but this is really crazy, uh, what's happening in, in so many cities. And I saw uh, a statistic today, and I, I don't have the link, so I'm, I'm just telling you what I, what I heard, that there was a CNN poll showing that Donald Trump is beating uh, Joe Biden with black men, yes. only black men. And I, I wonder to what extent many black men are sending the message of, hey, you know, you're killing us in these cities with your policies. Right. So, I, I, you know, again, I'm, I don't have all the information, but, but it makes sense when you see some of these cities and, and what they are doing uh, to really stab the police. I don't have any other, any other way of saying it. Well, they're, they're, they, these are cities whose city councils are pro-criminal. And they're pro-criminal. They would not put it that way. They would say the, the criminals are the victims of society. They're not really criminals. 
and we don't believe, and when you look at the numbers, uh, and they, they are mostly minorities, we believe it is racism. Uh, well, uh, Adams would not go along with that garbage, and uh, he, he made the point, we put the police where the crime is, That's and, right. it is having, and it's having its effect, uh, and it is protecting black people. And and I think you're right about black men, young black men in particular, are fed up with being victims. They're fed up with seeing their families as victims and then being told you got to vote for these guys because they're your brothers and sisters. Uh, no, they're not. You know, right. they're not. That's so, right. But now, however, I, I think we, we should also point out in recent days, you are beginning to see the shape of the Democratic Party campaign for this year. It's about three issues. Abortion, abortion, and abortion. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. That's uh, right. And, That's and, right. And, and then you forgot. Right. You forgot one. Uh, Trump is going to be a dictator. Oh yes, Trump is going to be a dictator. <laughs> right. He's a fascist. He's right. like the Nazis. And they basically, you're going to see a rerun of the last campaign. Right. Uh, abortion is turning out to be. Oh, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> I saw. Sorry, there must be something in the air here. Yeah. Um, there must be there, there, there must be some poll that shows them how effective the abortion issue is. And we know that in individual races, it has been very effective. It brings out the young women's vote. Right. And, and, they, have, and they have been told that they're going to lose all their rights. They'll be sent to another planet. Right. Terrible. Right. <laughs> oh, is that the, terrible or, or what? Yeah, no, I know. I know. And, and um Yes, I think there must be something in the air there. I'm going to turn up. I'm going to turn up the air cleaner. Yeah, no, but there. I think there was a hit song one time, so called "Something in the Air." Something. And, something and I mean, something yeah. in the well, right, whatever. Yeah. yeah, but but it is. It has been successful in certain places, but but I don't know how many more of those places are left because, uh, like in in. Well, I, I should back up for a second and say a lot depends on, of course, what the the Trump presidential campaign, assuming yes. he's the candidate and he probably is going to be. Um, and he's he's taken, I think, a very practical position on abortion. He's saying there has to be a number of weeks. And if he can communicate that, then I think that will lessen the, the, the Democrat message, because what the Democrats are running against is a ban, 100% ban on abortion. That's the that's what they're saying, that, you know, they want to ban abortion 100%. Actually, nobody does that. Yes. In most, so it, it is a communication, a way well, of presentation. The, the, the Republicans have got to talk to their base and say that if you take an extreme position, you're going to defeat the party. And where, where would you be then? Exactly. Uh, and, and No, you're right. You're exactly right. But I think the key is, to to somehow say, and I think Trump would say that that yeah that we believe there ought to be a window uh, for rape incest, of course, yes, and for life you know, of the, the mother, life of the mother, uh, and and then you know even ten twelve weeks uh, and and because what the Democrats are running against is saying that they're they're trying to ban abortion, but I don't know of any state that actually bans abortion here in Texas. We have something called the heartbeat law, yeah. which actually means that if there's a heartbeat, there can be no abortion. But that's still six to 10 weeks before there is a heartbeat. And anyway, so but you're right. You're exactly right. That's what they're going to be running against. And the Republicans better 
get ready to fight that. And so far, from what I've seen, Trump is pretty practical on that topic. Yes. He yes. simply, you know. But but let's talk about 2024, Bill, because I've never seen anything like this before, where you have two men running. Uh, most Americans would rather not have the two of them running, but it looks like they are going to be running. And, uh, you know, I've never seen anything like that before. Also, DeSantis coming out. I think you wrote about this today, saying how how you had expectations for him. I did, too. Yes. When he first started out. But, Bill, I was looking at a graph. And, and tell me what you think about this. I was looking at a graph on one of the, one of the Internet sites or something that showed President Trump's or former President Trump's support going like crazy up after they broke into his house uh, with the FBI, not broke in, but when they went into his house with the FBI and then came all these investigations that people, a lot of people were saying, this is crazy. You're going too far. And that that is a big reason why his base is more consolidated now than ever before, Bill. That's what I'm, what I think that he's benefiting from his enemies, if I could put it that way, Bill. Well, yes, uh, I think that the commentators go on the air at CNN and say they cannot understand why every time Trump is facing another charge, his popularity goes up. Well, the answer, uh, which is an obvious answer, is that the people don't buy this investigation. I mean, they see one investigation after another coming to a conclusion right before the presidential election. And we're supposed to believe this is all a coincidence. Now we have in Georgia this scandal involving the district attorney, which may kill the whole case against Trump down there. We have him being charged in New York. Everyone finds this in New York to be the funniest, that he's being charged with overvaluing his properties when trying to get a loan. And everybody, I happen to, one of my best friends happens to be a, a, a retired banker who specialized in real estate. And he said, I don't know anybody who doesn't over, overvalue the properties. It's a ritual. You give us one number, then the bank has its own investigators and they come up with another number. They talk about it and they get it done. But nobody ever got prosecuted for overvaluing his property because you know, there were no victims. They, they, all the deals were made. The banks got their money. Uh, Trump got his loan, and everybody was happy. So how can you how can you prosecute a victimless crime? I, I it's look. We don't know where these investigations are going, but I am concerned that there will be enough savvy on the part of the the some of these prosecutors to make sure that the trial uh, is held and reaches its conclusion before the election, so there can be a news big newspaper uh, headline saying guilty. And, and that's what they're aiming for. They want to destroy him and destroy his candidacy. Now, the Supreme Court is going to consider the Colorado case where they took him off the ballot. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm convinced, and I think most observers, I am not a lawyer, but most lawyers I've heard on the, on the news have said they're sure that the Supreme Court will put him back on the ballot. The, 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 the court does not want to get involved in presidential elections. A presidential election is a constitutionally mandated event. It's very important to the country's history. We have never had an attempt like this to take people off ballots. I mean, the, the general feeling is look, the, this is the one place where the people decide. 
And uh, I think I, I am hoping that Trump comes through it all okay. But knowing the justice system and the way it can be manipulated and the fact that all the cases have been brought in democratic cities where you're going to have uh, liberal juries, liberal uh, uh, prosecutors, something could go wrong. I mean, it, it, it probably I, will. I, I wouldn't I, put it past them. Yeah, I, I think it's very likely that he'll be uh, convicted of something. He might be convicted of, of fraud. In New York. Yes, I mean, for, for in that ridiculous case, that I completely agree with you. No, nobody's claiming that they were defrauded. No, so how, can, how can you have a a fraud case? And then the other case of the other woman, uh, yes, who's accusing him. If I understand it correctly, Bill, she's saying that thirty years ago, uh, she went, I guess, into the fitting room in a ladies' store, ladies' department store Virgil or section. Hudson. Right. And that while she was, I guess, in the fitting room, uh, Trump raped her and was screaming MAGA, go MAGA, or (laughs) something like that, which is even more absurd. I have never seen any in New York where a man got into the women's dressing room. I mean, (laughs) it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And if it were to happen, Bill, that would be Well, the screaming. Yes. Because I look. Like most guys, we we've gone to shopping, yes, and we we sit in that little sofa, you know, right? Oh, that's right, right, yeah. uh, right there, and uh, the women are going in to try out things, and they're usually pretty busy, you know. Most of those rooms are are pretty busy, and uh, I can just imagine if a guy went in there and raped somebody, that somebody would have heard it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it just it you know it, the way those those dressing room sections are designed. There, there are plenty of people around seeing who's going in and who's going out. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can just imagine the clerk, you know, the, the, the clerk there in the in the cashier. Trump walks into one of these fitting rooms after a woman and she doesn't know. Yes, that's what they're saying. Uh, Bergdorf Goodman is uh, right across the street from Trump's headquarters in New York. And his face is very well known. I mean, he wouldn't pull something like that, you know, <laughs> in a dressing well, room. I know. I mean, that's, that's that's what I'm saying, that the case is so crazy that and then they the case was like, what, 30 years ago? Yeah. So, yeah. so now they bring it back as they changed the law so that she could bring it back. Yeah. And some uh, rich Democrats are paying for her legal expenses because. As I understand, prior to this, no lawyer in New York would touch the case because they thought she was crazy. Yeah, well, she probably is. Uh, (laughs) What they're hoping for in these cases on the Trump side is a hung jury. And um, uh, even if there are convictions, you know, you can appeal a conviction. The the appeal can go on for years. But, But the problem is what they are legitimately concerned about is if he is found guilty, even in a ridiculous case, that fact alone will cost him a certain number of votes. Right. On the other hand, it might get him some votes. So we don't know. It is a strange election. Um, the Democrat, we should not, we should not be overconfident uh, about Republicans. Republicans work hard to lose elections. You know, we've seen that in the past. They really are experts at it. And the, it's a divided party. Um, and the Democrats are obviously getting getting started again. They will have um, they will have Biden at the head of the, the ticket uh, if they can get him into the room. Uh, and it's perfectly obvious that Kamala Harris is is being instructed. She has been much more effective 
in her appearances on television recently than she was earlier. She's taking lessons. Right. I mean, and, can, uh, it appears that she's going to be the she's going to be carrying the flag uh, for reproductive rights. Oh, that's that's her whole thing. Yeah, Repro that's what she instead of the rights. border, she's not going to worry about the border. She's going to worry about uh, reproductive rights. But but I think, Bill, you're exactly right. You don't want to get too overconfident. And I, I, I always to me, uh, elections are like a baseball game. You know, you can have the best pitcher on the mound, but still lose the game. So you got to get 27 outs. And uh, and I think here you have to win the. Uh, the election with good campaigning, which why, which is why, Bill, I think it's very, very important that that we put somebody with Trump on the ticket that conveys uh, a sense of seriousness. Yes. And this reminds me a little bit of 1980 in this respect. In 1980, when when Reagan put Bush on the ticket, not only was he uniting the party, or but he was also putting somebody who was pretty serious. Somebody yeah. that you could look at and say, okay, in case of an emergency, and we almost had one the following sure spring, uh, in case of an emergency, he can take over. And I really believe that that Trump needs to use that same philosophy. And that's why I'm a little bit concerned about putting somebody like the congresswoman from New York, uh, Stefanik, or whatever her name Elise is. Elise Stefanik. Yeah, Ste she, may be a, right, she may be a very sharp lady. Uh, she's probably very talented, but she doesn't have a lot of experience. I would rather go to somebody like Mike Pompeo, uh, somebody at that level. Uh, I would even consider DeSantis a, a stronger yeah. VP. Uh, and, I, you don't, know, the, I, don't, I don't think he would take it. Well, maybe not, but, you know, they kiss and make up a lot at these conventions, yeah. so... Uh, but anyway, but I'm guessing my, my larger point is that it has to be somebody very, very serious uh, that the American people can say, OK, that that fellow or that lady is qualified. And, and this is why, you know, everybody keeps talking about putting the, the governor of Arkansas, Sanders Huckabee, or the one from South Dakota. And they're very nice people and they're strong conservatives, but they don't have a lot of experience, Bill. And I would rather see somebody like Pompeo or Lee Zeldin, yeah. somebody like that, who, you know, who adds value to the ticket. I, I, I don't know how else to say it. Uh, well, I, I happen to agree with you because, uh, you know, uh, Trump is also getting along in years. Uh, he is all, of course, he's already been president. Uh, so we know that he can do the job and, but I think also somebody who will inspire confidence. It's too bad we don't have a, a top military officer who's well known, right. but, we, but we don't. Uh, there are, you know, members of the Senate, members of the House, some governors. I would not underestimate the governor of South Dakota, uh, mm -hmm. Governor Nome. She's right. she is a real smart cookie, and she's also beautiful. Right. That 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 would that would help. That would help. Yeah. That would help. I, I I would. I'm very sorry that he and Nikki Haley have come to blows because I think she would have been a great addition to the ticket. People yeah. like her. People yeah, people like, like her. her. I also I, I heard something yesterday about Governor Abbott of Texas potentially being a VP. Uh, I, I, nobody's talking too much about that, but he is a very capable guy. Yes. Uh, the governor of Virginia, uh, Youngkin. Youngkin, also very good man. Yeah, very good. I I I would take him. Um, I I'm I'm trying to think. I I went through this actually last night. There are not too many 
great names out there. Um, you know, in, in 1952, the Republican Party, which was really a strikeout party. I mean, they had not been in the White House in 20 years and they really didn't have anybody. They had Robert Taft, a, a very fine man, but a, an isolationist you know, from, from the old days. But they were able to get Eisenhower to run. Eisenhower, there was no better name in America than Eisenhower. And they got him to run. They weren't even sure he was a Republican. But they, 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 his name was on the ticket, and that was it. They, nobody could beat him. He was the general like. But we don't have a general like today. And I don't know. I mean, I mean, there's talk of, of, of a television commentator, bad move, bad move. Yeah, that, I, uh, that wouldn't do it. That wouldn't do it for me. No, I mean, if, I mean, uh, that Tucker Carlson, bad move. No, that he, would be a bad move. Can't yeah. control himself. And uh, but there, there, maybe it's somebody who is not well known, but but who he will make well known very quickly for some remarkable thing the person has done. Right. But I, I. I, I don't I can't come up with the name. Well, there, there's talk of Senator Vans, J.D. Vans, because he's very charismatic, Ohio. very. And even though he's only a first year or first term senator, uh, he, he had a lot of business experience before. But somebody was saying to me that that Trump is really hung up on. And again, this is hearsay. Trump didn't say this to me, but I've heard somebody say that Trump is really hung up on making sure that the names sound good. Yes. So, for example, Trump Vance, that would sound pretty good. Yeah. Trump Abbott, that would sound good. It's almost like he wants the the second person to be a one syllable so that it's, you know, Trump Vance, Trump Abbott. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, maybe that's a silly thing, but he is conscious of those of those uh, of those little details. But the one thing about Trump is that he's got plenty of time to make the decision here. Yes. And I hope he doesn't rush it. Because it's no advantage to him to tell us this next week. Well, I mean, what's the point of that? That's right. Tim, I hope, but Tim I hope Scott, by the way, I forgot about him. Tim yes. Scott. Um, who just got engaged over the weekend. Yes, who just got engaged. So that would be a wonderful, they can go on a honeymoon <laughs> when they're campaigning, I guess. Um, the, I, I, You know, it may be somebody out of the blue. It may be somebody out of the blue, a prominent business person, uh, who uh, would be dazzling, but I don't know if they, I don't know if there is one out there who's too dazzling right now. So no, I mean that. Well, that's the problem. I think you you said it correctly. There is no military man out there like a like an Ike or or even even Colin Powell in his prime. Yes, I know that he went downhill, but I'm just saying in his prime was seen that way as a great as as some remember Bob Dole considered him for VP. Yes. And I and I believe that the, the first Bush also considered him as a VP uh, as well, because he was very well respected. But there is no such thing right now. But but I do think we'll be talking a lot. This is going to create a lot of interesting conversation. But before we run out of time, I wanted to say a couple of things. You realize that that Mr. Mr. Biden, Mr. President Biden could actually come in second in New Hampshire. Oh, Yes. Even yes. though he's not running, I guess uh, there is another Democrat running, I believe. And then there's a write-in vote for Biden, and that could actually come in second. Wouldn't that yes. be something? Well, yeah. They, they, you know, these primaries, they 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 have to fill airtime discussing them in the 24-hour news cycle. But 
how many times in the next week do you think you're going to hear the name Iowa mentioned? It's, they, I mean, they, they, they're forgotten. And, and, and for one week, every four years, it's like, it's like Brigadoon. Uh, for one week, every four years, these places come alive and a group of local newsmen are on television because they're the only people who know anything about that state, and right. sometimes they're the only people who've ever been there. And and then and we and why the why why the West Virginia primary is tomorrow, Joe. And here is the leading expert on West Virginia, uh, who has been in journalism for eighty-five years, and and every everything is West Virginia. We'll be right here, counting the ballots as they come in. Right, and then after that, you never hear of West Virginia again. Well, it's like every time they have the Iowa primary, they have those people from the Des Moines Register, who are you know giving their opinions. Yes, on, I think they have a very famous poll there that they, yes, they do the Iowa the, poll. Yeah, the Iowa poll. Uh, I was just have, thinking in, in terms of uh, names that uh, one political name that will come up will be Joe Manchin, uh, the, who is an independent. Yeah. <laughs> That that, w- that could be a factor if they can get in all fifty states, you know. Yes, yes. Well, and the uh, same with Bobby Kennedy if they can all. I mean, Bobby Kennedy is actually polling again, well, but not well, in. Well, he's a Democrat. Yeah, he's but, actually, I think he's left the party. No, I know that. I know that. I realize that. But I'm just saying that as a third party, apparently they're putting him in all or trying to put him in all fifty yeah. states. And if he can get ten percent of the vote, that's that's a big factor. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know because they're these whether it's Manchin or Kennedy, they're not uh, in every state. But I do have to tell you, Bill, uh, a very important closing uh, suggestion here, and that is, I hope you're not planning to use an electric car to go anywhere these days because they seem to be having a lot of difficulty in the winter. And what a what an incredible surprise that must be! You, you spend sixty thousand dollars yes. in an automobile. And then in the middle of winter, you you know, it, it's impossible to charge it up. I mean, well, I would like to know. That's and horrible. I, I think this is a serious question. I would like to know why we weren't told this earlier. I mean, the people who build these cars and batteries certainly knew that they are very, very ineffective in cold weather. To me, that's a scandal. I mean, to me, they are defrauding the public. Yes, I think so. And and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if some lawyer you know, shows up with a lawsuit because I had never heard that before. No. And now down here, we don't have those extreme cold temperatures. Like, but I saw like in Chicago, they were all lined up, you know, they couldn't move. Well, that absolutely. And people, uh, people have emergencies. That's, I think the thing that's really bothering people about electric cars. And that is, you cannot trust them in an emergency. I think, what was it that the, that in, in the kind of weather they had in Iowa, the battery lasted 29 minutes. I mean, what if you have to get someone to the hospital? Well, another big story about electric cars, too, is what just happened with Hertz rental cars. Yes. They apparently got rid of all their electric cars, and they had somebody from the company on the radio today here locally, and she was saying that there's nothing wrong with the car. The cars are beautiful. They run beautiful. But it's just that people don't want them. Yes. Because if you're if you're on a business trip and you rent a car, you know you know with gasoline you can fill up anywhere. Of course, but with uh, electric cars, they got to give you a map of where you charge it up, Bill. That's right, and then you've got to sit there for twenty minutes, and that is something people don't want to do. That comes out of their their travel time, and also usually I get 
doubt if these uh, charging stations are going to be uh, on uh, on Fifth Avenue property. They're probably going to be in, you know, where you have service stations and people will right. be afraid, especially women, to sit there for 20 minutes right. in, in, a, in a vulnerable car. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of the great flops of the age. Right, but the the person they were interviewing was simply saying that customers, they too many customers were complaining about how impractical it was to charge it up before you bring it back. That's right. And they simply said, you know, the cars were not moving because nobody wanted to rent one, and now I guess they 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 put them all for for sale. But you know, I I know people who have I, I quite a few friends who have electric cars. And they run very well, actually. People yes. that I've known down here, uh, these cars run very well. So, uh, you know, they like them. And I had a friend who had the Nissan electric car, and he thought it was very nice and, and practical. But it's certain situations when they don't, when they're not reliable, whether it's extreme right. temperatures or, like you say, especially down here in Texas, where to go from Dallas to Austin, it's 200 miles. Yes. Well, you gotta you you have to charge it. Where are you gonna charge it? That's whereas right. you can stop at a gas station and in ten minutes you're back on the road bill. Right, and you can even carry an extra gallon of gas with you for emergencies. You can't carry a charger with you. No, no. And I would like to know where all the electricity is coming from to charge these cars. Now I bet they're coming from new electric plants that are based on carbon fuels. Well, that's the big secret. No, nobody yeah. nobody has uh, confronted anybody on that, but. But I mean, look, if they want to buy electric cars, that's fine. But but I think you're right about the scandal of the batteries. I there, there's a lot of people who must be wondering how did I how did I end up with one of these things that doesn't charge in the winter or doesn't run in the winter, especially in a country where what half of the half of the country lives in winter weather? That's right. I mean, that's it's right. not like we were living everybody in Texas weather. I mean, we uh, people are all over. Well, Bill, as always, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we'll continue uh, reading Urgent Agenda and keeping up with all the latest uh, stories that you, you write about. And I look forward to our next chat. Time flies when we get together, Bill. Uh, yeah, yeah, it sure does. I look forward to it, too. And let's see who the presidential candidates are next week. That's right. That's right. Let's see who they are. We may, we may have a surprise next week. That's uh, right. But next week, I've got a couple. I was looking at... Uh, and on this day in history, and and next Monday, there's a couple of Brooklyn Dodger anniversaries. Yeah, well, that, that I'm going to bring up, but I think you'll that'll refresh your memory a little bit, Bill. Terrific, great. All right, have a great week, Bill. Same to you, Silvio. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Our good friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda, always uh, looking back at the week and looking ahead at the next week with our friend uh, with our friend Bill. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.